Trigger warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain sexual and violent acts committed against men, women, and children. If such acts offend you in any way, please do not listen any further. This podcast was made for an audience of 18 years and older and contains mature and explicit content. Also, this podcast may also contain a high level of profanity and explicit language. If such things offend you in any way, shape, or form, please do not listen to the podcast any further. This is your last trigger warning. If anything that I mentioned above offends you, please do not listen. Thank you. Warning. The cases that I talk about here are under the assumption that the individuals that are accused allegedly committed these crimes unless they have been convicted in court for the tri- for the crimes that they have been charged with. This is by no means me making any kind of accusations whatsoever. I am simply commenting on news articles and stories that have been shared with me through individuals who may or may not have experienced these said stories. This is not fact. This is purely my opinion. Unless they have been through court and they have been convicted. Please understand that moving forward. Thank you. Hey everybody. This is Jeremy with a Man Apart podcast. Episode 16. Titled Living with My Monster. Part 2. Interview with Laura Smith. So after I did my interview with Amanda Henry about what she felt James Fairbanks did to her father Matteo Condalucci basically uh, what in case y'all never heard that episode which is episode 10 I'd suggest you go back and listen to that James Fairbanks was a father of two who was going through a divorce he was a teacher he worked with abused children whether it was physically or sexually abused children he went to go look for an apartment and he looked at the sex offender registry to see if anybody, any sex offenders was going to be near his house because of the work that he did. He found out about Matteo Condalucci. He dug into his history. He went to go look at his house to just to kind of to see if it was, you know, just like maybe he might have just been a retired pedophile and not a sneaky reoffending one. And there were just so many signs that pointed that to the obvious that Matteo was more than likely... Uh, molesting and abusing children all up till the day he died. And I'm not going to go into details why. You should go check that interview out and just listen to his own daughter and how his own daughter, Mateo's daughter, was was glad that her that her father was shot and killed because of what he did to her and 52 other children that they know of. So Miss Laura reached out to me. She told me her story, and it's a wild one, and I hope that you stay tuned and listen to it because it, it just shows how much of a monster this man really was, Matteo Condalucci really was, and how evil and brutal he could be. It just, I, I the whole time when I'm listening to Amanda and Miss Laura and other people, I'm just shaking my head going, what the fuck? You know, just like, what the hell? Because it, it is. It, it's one of those situations. Anyway, 
enough intro. Hope you enjoy this interview. Well, not really enjoy it, but you know what I mean. Uh, I hope you find it informative. That's the main part about it, too. And this is why I do what I do. Because of the pain that these monsters inflict on people. So, here we go. I'm good. How are you, Jeremy? Doing good, doing good. I think it might have just been on my end, a connection issue. But I think now we got it worked out. Okay, great. All right. So, um, I gave an intro uh, as far as, like, a little bit of the backstory connecting uh, Amanda's story. And how we're going to tell your story and everything of how you... Mateo or or how you call him Matt and I'm just going to let you kick it off so uh the first time like just go from the very beginning and just tell it to me like like as if you were telling me a movie I guess uh what you know how and when did you meet Mateo um well I honestly I this was 30 years ago I don't recall how I met him um When I met him, I had a three-month-old baby and a five-year-old son, um, both boys. And uh, he he really rushed the relationship along. I, you know, like I said, this was 30 years ago, so I don't know all this. I try not to think about it. So, right, Um, understandably, the the relationship got really rushed along, um, and we went from dating briefly to moving in and engaged. Um, I guess that should have been my first red flag, but I guess I was a hopeless romantic thinking that, you know, true love does, you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we all that first that. sight. Um, <clears throat> anyways, so we moved in and I was still putting furniture away, moving, you know, trying to blend my furniture for my kids and our stuff in with their stuff in the house. Um, and, uh, you know, that took probably about a week, I would say. Yeah. And um, I was no sooner finished and she hit the fan. Um, I was asked to go to the store. Matt asked me, I just bathed my son and put him to bed, put him in his jam pajamas and put him to bed. Both of my yeah. kids were in their beds. And, yeah. um, he, he had asked me to go to the store for him. And he told me that his oldest son, it was that night, you know? So yeah. I thought when he told me his oldest son was coming, he just wanted, you know, someone there to look out for me seeing it was that night. Um, right. So I went to the grocery store and when I got home, my son was no longer in the bed. He was back in the bathtub screaming and crying hysterically. Um, I was confused as to what was going on, I guess. And um, Matt just started screaming, your son wet the bed. And like, he was really angry. And I'm like, that does not even make sense. My son has never wet the bed. Um, but with all I could do really at that point was take care of my son, get him back yeah. in his pajamas, get him, you know, cleaned up, put him in his bed and calm him down. I mean, I'd never seen my son like that. He was always just, I mean, happy, go lucky. 
Um, he's he's never really even had anybody yelling like that around him. So he was, I'm sure he was terrified. Um, and to be honest with you, to this day, I don't even know everything that happened um, that night. I just know that um, my son was terrified. I don't know if he hit him. Yeah. I, I don't know all the details because anyway, so we get my son back to bed and I don't feel really comfortable about what happened at all. Um, so I'm thinking, I don't think this was a really smart move on my part, move, you know, rushing into this with him and thinking about leaving. And the next morning I had gotten up and uh, my ba- fixed the bottle for my baby. I'd set it on the counter yeah. and uh, went to pick up my baby, you know, to feed him. And uh, as we walked out of the, into the kitchen, Matt had picked up the baby bottle. He was yelling at his um, youngest son and just whipped the baby bottle with all his might at his youngest son, nearly hitting my son in the face with it, my baby, <laughs> which would have yeah. really hurt him. And I knew at that point that this was not a good idea. And I decided we were going to move. But I even at that point, I even I was scared um, right. at the way he had been acting. So. When he went to work, I told my oldest son, I said, we're getting out of here. And when I did, he told me, Mom, um, when we leave, I have something I have to tell you. And I, my heart just sank. You know, I did not feel good. I knew something terrible was coming. And he said, I said, no, you tell me now, Anthony. And uh, he said, Matt touched my private parts. I was like, oh, my God. <clears throat> I called the police. Because now I knew we were getting out of there immediately. Yeah. Um, I called and arranged a ride for us, you know, for me to get the kids out of the house. I called the police. I wanted to record it. Um, while I was waiting for the police, I spoke to Amanda and the youngest boy, uh, Joey. I yeah. pulled them aside and asked them both if their father had done anything like that to them, touched their private parts. And both of them, they couldn't even answer it. Look, their eyes both lit up and I did it separately. They looked terrified, like deer in headlight. You know, they wouldn't say a word, didn't say anything. I knew, but I couldn't get them to tell me, you know, if he had, um, they were not speaking at all, like in shock almost, I think. Um, so the police came, they pulled my son aside, asked him, whatever I wasn't even there they pulled him in a room by himself and uh then we left they called Matt home I guess Matt denied it whatever and um we the next day we had gone to victims advocate you know for that and uh they told me do not talk to your son about this and um otherwise you know when it goes to court it can look like you put words in his mouth or whatever. Yeah. So I never did because I didn't want to ruin the case, you know? Right. And, um, this went on for, God, I'd say a year, maybe longer. Um, DAs kept dropping the case and, um, or, you know, they were switching DAs quite a bit with the case and it wasn't really going anywhere. And finally I had a, a new DA take the case and, he wanted to meet Anthony. And at this point we had moved back to, to Connecticut, my hometown because Matt had kept everything we owned 
You know, I went yeah. back to get everything we owned and he had kept it all. Told the police I had nothing there. When in fact, I had baby bottles, baby formula, clothing, pictures, you name it. Everything we owned was still in his house. And that's how evil he was. He wouldn't let us have not one thing out of that house. So we ended up having to start over. I moved to Connecticut and I had an appointment to uh, meet with the DA with Anthony. And uh, the day before the appointment, the DA called me up and he um, was going to cancel it. You know, that the end. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> he didn't think that we had a good, ch- you know, the chances weren't good because it was a grown man who is, you know, more apt to lie um, against a small child. You know, I said, no. Uh-uh. So we flew in. I told him I, we're coming anyways. So we flew in the next morning and we went straight to the DA's office and, uh, he sat with my son, asked him a couple questions, just like, you know, who's your favorite uh, football team and who's your favorite players? You know, just questions yeah. can get. So, you know, he's really impressed with my son because he was very smart um, for his age and very, you know, he verbally could handle it. So um, he he decided he was not going to drop the case. He was going to go forward with it. Well, long story short, he ended up getting Matt to um, plead no contest. Right. Matt tried to pass it off as, oh, it was just a little tap on his butt. You know, my mom, as an Italian, used to do it to me. Italians do it. And the DA knew that that's not what Italians do. So um, he got him to plead the no contest. And um, we knew he wasn't going to, because he had never really had, charges against them before he has had accusations against them but there were no charges against them so he knew that matt wouldn't do any jail time yeah. and i had to accept that you know um but i i wanted to make sure that it was most important to me that he be put on the sex offender registry because right. you know him not having charges or it the most important thing was that the next child that came along be believed, you right. know? Um, so that was our agreement that he would um, be put on the sex offender registry. So okay. that's where it ended for us, you know, as far as right. my son's charges, he got probation and um, got put on the sex offender registry. What so I, I I have a bunch of questions to ask, but I'm gonna start uh, from toward the beginning of your uh, story. So you were there when Amanda was a little girl and everything. Can you can you describe what she was like as a child? Oh my god, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh did... my god, she, no, she's just I just love Amanda to death. She was just the happy, like she. You, she craved my attention. She followed me everywhere I went. She was, seemed so happy to have me there. And, you know, I was so happy to be there with her. Yeah. Having had two sons, I thought, oh, this is so great. I'm going to have uh, my sons are going to have boys to play with and I'm going to have my girl. So, you know, I was wanting a girl, but I didn't want to have any more children. So, you know, yeah. there was my girl and she was just the sweetest little girl. It's just so attentive, you know. Yeah. I don't know. She's just really sweet. 
I know, uh, you know, talking with her, uh, you know, not only on the podcast, but also off the podcast and private, she very much, she, she does have a very loving heart and that's what I uh, love about her. And she just, uh, despite all of what she went through and everything, she still turned out to be a, you know, a good person with a good heart and everything. And that's what I love about her too. Um, I wanted to ask too, uh, the locations, right? You said you moved back to Connecticut. So where was, you know, where was Mateo and Amanda and all them living at, at that time? Ormond Beach, Florida. Wow. So you had to fly from Connecticut all the way to Florida to meet with these DA, this DA and everything like that. Uh, I know yeah, that. well, I had lived in Florida and I had friends out there. So um, I flew out and stayed with them. It really didn't cost anything but a plane ticket, you know, because right. at yeah. one point, like I said, I did live there. What, um, so what was, Mateo like as far I mean because obviously you, you you were in a in a relationship with him you even got engaged to him I mean what I mean so I've, I've seen I've seen past photos of him through uh through other documentaries and interviews and whatnot and I mean he, he seemed to be a very physically you know towering beast of a man in when his younger years uh what, what what was he like to date and everything um you know looking back at it I don't, I don't really, um, recall anything really special about them. Um, and I actually, I think about some things that actually should have given me red flags. Um, uh, how do I explain it? Um, I mean, he liked to do things I had never done before, like go to auctions. Okay. Um, you know, he was in, I was a homebody. I was into, you know, the kids and the family. And that's the way he portrayed himself was a family man. And looking at him with his kids. um, Oh, my gosh, my dog. Sorry. My his kids. Okay. Think, okay. You know, he he got he got kids of his own. He's a great father. You know, at first, that's the way he portrayed. But yeah. the minute I moved in. It was a completely different person. Yeah, at surface level, he seemed to be like this great guy. Um, I, I think I remember when I was talking to you, he, he was even kind of re well respected in town and everything too. A lot of people in town knew who he was, so he was able to charm people and make friends with people and everything. But when you really moved in there, you got to see, you know, early on. Thankfully, you got to see it, uh, you know, uh, early that he was a very brutal man and uh, a violent man too, from what you and others have told me well now, from what i sorry no go ahead go ahead i'm sorry from what i've learned of mateo matt whatever um yeah. he is a dangerous predator he he sets his life up like a stage and he is the star now if he wants you to believe something he's gonna set his like the whole minister thing right um that that was him setting the stage you know he went to a new place everywhere he went he set up the stage and that he wanted people to believe about him because right. that way he could do you know they weren't thinking about what he really was right uh for people that don't know they're just listening to this episode um so mateo uh became an ordained minister through an online deal of some kind and whatnot. And what's even more frightening about him was that 
he even set up a domestic abuse like uh, he, he set up a domestic abuse shelter for women and, and, and their children, which, oh, you know, not, I not, didn't yeah. even know that until now that yeah. I, that makes me sick. Yeah. Um, but he, that's uh, how which, he was. Yeah. He uh, that and that's how he was able to get a hold to more victims. And, and, and I mean, it was, it was it was pretty much, you know, an open market for him. Yeah. Uh, and just, you know, talking to all of y'all and everything that, that, that were connected to him in some way, shape or form in his life. And, yeah, you know, it just shows how much of a monster he really was. And it always baffled me how the D.A. was so adamant about, you know, that he was a reformed and changed man and everything. And it, it, there was nothing changed or reformed about him. And, and you know, in my eyes, I mean, he just he learned how to get sneakier with it. He learned how to get better with it. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, there's there's 53 victims that we all know of that, that we know. I, of. Oh, there's, there's more. There's more. Yeah. He, he bounced around from different to different States. When he got caught in Florida, he moved to um, Colorado. I think it was, I mean, he just moved every time he got caught. So people don't even know the real numbers, but that's what he based yeah. his life on. You know, yeah. he, that's. I, 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 before, out that I think people should know too. Uh, you were with the hospital uh, when you were there, and there was a eight, um, uh, man, you know, like an eighteen-year-old living there with with Mateo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That story, because I, 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 I think everybody needs to hear that one as well. Well, it didn't dawn on me until after we had moved out what had happened that night, but. Right. I had just finished putting our stuff away and I was wanted to take a long hot bath. It had been a long grueling process um, between cleaning and organizing and all that. So I had just finished and I decided I was going to take a long hot bath. And of course, Amanda, she was by my side and I told her, I says, I'm going to take a bath um, and I'll see you when I get out. And I said, oh, will you go get me a soda? And so she did. And she asked me, do I want ice? I said, yeah. Well, by the time I got the soda, which didn't take her very long to get it. But um, so I was a little confused why the ice was melted. The, the ice chunks were really kind of small. So yeah, I thought that was weird. I mean, it was hot, but I, mean, I don't know. I should have realized. But, you know, you're not thinking, hey, somebody just tried to kill you. But so anyways, right. I drink a sip or two of the soda and uh, it don't taste right. No, it tastes bad. So I decided I'm not drinking the soda. I take a bath. I get out of the bath and I just start pu- profusely vomiting. Um, yeah. And I can't stop. I'm really, really, really ill. And I said I was going to call um, an ambulance. At that point, I felt like I needed to go to the hospital. And the kid, the 18-year-old kid, um, I don't know if his name was Eric. I'm not really sure what his name was. Something tells me it was Eric because he was there when I moved in. Um, right. And I didn't, he didn't speak a lot, say a lot. And uh, so anyways, uh, he said, I'll call an ambulance for you. Well, I laid on the bed after I had vomiting and everything. The, the ambulance never came. Right. And at this point now I've stopped vomiting. So I think, okay, I'm going to be okay. I, I don't need to go anyways. So I just let it go. And uh, the next day 
me and Matt, we decide we're going to go to um, <clears throat> a auction. And he was going to stay and watch the kids, you know. And <clears throat> Matt's oldest son was there as well. So I didn't worry about, you know, leaving the kids there. Um, yeah. And it was at night. Well, when we got back, the kid was gone. He just packed up and moved and never told anybody. He left. Never saw him again, nothing. So Damn. I don't know. Then right after that, that's when um, Matt molested Anthony. Yeah. So um, I really, so much had happened so fast that um, <clears throat> I didn't connect it all until after I had moved out of there. And by then it was too late. Whatever it was, was out of my system. But I honestly, to this day, believe that he tried to poison me with antifreeze. Yeah. What made you come to the conclusion that it was antifreeze? Though? Um, the taste. The taste? The taste. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, after I stopped and thought about it, at the time I was vomiting, I wasn't really thinking about what you know, was causing me a vomit. I was just vomiting. I was concerned enough to call an ambulance, put it that right. way. Yeah. And, 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 and I know, and just to clarify for any listeners listening and everything that, uh, you know, I don't think, and you don't think as well that Amanda had anything to do with it. She was a young child. Oh, no. Yeah. No, so no, I, no, you know, no, yeah. no. Because, because, I, cause, you know, cause you know, some people might, you know, try, try and make a conclusion like that. And I, and, and I try to be a pro, uh, you know, a pragmatic person. No, and, I, and, yeah. I believe that the, the 18 year old kid did i believe he yeah. was jealous i lived there i believe there was some kind of relationship going on with mateo and him and he was very jealous and wanted me out of the way and maybe they wanted my kids maybe they were in on it together yeah i, I would not doubt it that they tried to kill me to get my to keep my boys in that family yeah which would have been even worse for not only anthony but for your but for your three-month-old at the time as well um, yep. I mean, yeah, it it have been, yeah. I I don't even want to think about it because I just so oh. much rage and emotion, just raw emotions I have toward Mateo. I want to talk about now that we kind of established who Mateo was and what he did. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you some questions about Anthony. I know them. I know they're probably gonna get very emotional for you, but uh, you know if if you can, you can answer them. If not, I think anybody listening would totally agree. That's you know, it is, that's fine. What, um, what was it like for Anthony to pick up the pieces after y'all have left after Mateo became a sex offender? What was it like for him growing up after that point of being molested? Well, at first he was happy. We left. Um, I really didn't see any, you know, thing, negative when we first left it was all really happy we left and then of course he had to speak with um you know therapists and you know people uh from the victim's advocate because i wanted to make sure he was going to be okay you know and then they had to get their i you know his statement as to what happened and um all that. So we were kind of busy doing that and just trying to put our lives back together. And then, like I said, we moved back to Connecticut. And at first I didn't really notice any changes in him, but as time went on, I noticed that, um, he was not as trusting. He was very serious. He, 
he was just always so happy and go lucky. You know, it was just me and him. And, you know, he just got spoiled all the time. You know, I mean, I mean, I just had my other baby. So, you know, that didn't even take away from my relationship with him. And just everybody loved Anthony. Yeah, just a great kid. And I noticed, yeah, he got more serious. He wasn't trusting. Um, And especially when it got into his teen years, he uh, was struggling being around. He had, uh, what is that, anxiety, social anxiety. Yeah. He couldn't be around a lot of people without getting, you know, messed up. And um, so I, I started seeing, I think, it was really obvious when he started using drugs and I knew it was something that had, because I had been through it. I knew the signs of it, you know, um, he was a great person. He was a chef. He was really, I mean, when I was working, he'd be home and he'd read encyclopedias did great in school on a roll in school. Um, went on to do, uh, culinary school, and then he went on to Italy to do an externship there and work in um, a really nice restaurant out there. And then um, he came back and he earned his his chef title. And then he was really looking for, you know, a future job that, you know, would set him up for his future. So he ended up uh, getting a job at the Department of Corrections, which is in Connecticut, a really great job. Um, He could have retired at a very young age and uh, he just couldn't deal with life. I mean, he could deal with the work and he was a hard worker. He could deal. He was very smart, but he couldn't deal with relationships and and friends. I mean, he had a hard time with people. Yeah. It was basically trying to trust people, be open and vulnerable to him. Yeah, and with with I noticed with the girls, um, he was always hooking up with the girls that were damaged, the ones that had you know a lot of issues as well, that were into the drugs and the drinking. And I don't know, I don't know. I just seen it. it he couldn't trust people. I don't think yeah. he could trust a woman enough to really let her in. Um, I don't know. What um. Now, I remember you telling me some other things that happened to him and everything like that. And I know it's going to be hard. And, you know, I, the, the listeners don't know the other side of the, you know, the, the, of the conversations we've had. Um, and I'm, I, I want to be as respectful and as tactful as possible, Ms. Laura, because I, I, you know, I have a lot of love for you and, and, and empathy and compassion. Um, so Anthony, I, I know Anthony's no longer with us. And yeah, um, yeah, well, I know where you're going with this, I believe. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Well, Anthony, like I said, when Anthony was old enough to, you know, hang out with friends and stuff, um, he really had a hard time. Like I said, you know, he had a hard time being around other people. He started with the social anxiety and stuff. Um, but he wanted to, he really tried to be a part of society and stuff. So he did. And, uh, like I said, he would have to get messed up in order to do it because of the social anxiety. Um, and so he started hanging out with friends that were doing drugs and he started out by smoking pot. And then, 
you know, we had the opioid crisis and, um, you know, people were getting opioids that didn't really need them. And he was working two and three jobs. So, you know, he, somebody offered him one and apparently, um, it worked for him. You know, he had burns up and down his arms and he wasn't the type, you know, to go to the doctors. He didn't like to just go to the doctors for stupid stuff. So he was getting them from his friends off the street, you know, they're yeah. very easily accessible. So he ended up with a, um, opioid, opioid, uh, addiction. And, um, it led to him using heroin. Those pills get really expensive. So when he got laid yeah. off from his job, he ended up, um, going, switching over to heroin because I guess it's cheaper. Um, you know, I'm just finding all this stuff out. I didn't know it at the time. So, right. you know, I found it out since his death, put it that way. Anyways, he um, was given a batch of heroin that had fentanyl in it. Yeah. And he died right then and there. So that's how he passed away. I personally, I blame Matt for that because I don't feel like my son would have had to deal with the anxiety issues that he did deal with if it hadn't been for what Matt had done to him. I believe that wholeheartedly because I have the same issues from what happened to me when I was a child, which I'm not going to go into that right now. That's that's fine. This is for my son. Um, Unfortunately, I am his voice now. So I knew the signs and I saw clearly the signs of what Matt had done to him had stayed with him his whole life. Yeah. You know, people don't realize that when you molest a child and you intimidate and, you know, and that's, that was part of his MO. He intimidated and scared these kids to make them so they don't talk. You know, he abused them, whatever he had to do to keep them quiet, you know? So whatever he did to my son, he changed my son's life forever that night. And caused my son a lot of problems that he that stayed with him his entire life. And it eventually took his life. Miss Laura, I know I told you before, and I'm going to tell you again, I'm so sorry for, for your loss, for your son and everything that you had to go through with that. And for him having to pick up those, try to pick up those pieces and, you know, and, and ultimately not here with us today. Um, it, it breaks my heart. And, and these are the stories that we don't that people don't get to hear because people just don't know. Like uh, there, there's a lot of people that, just, that doesn't know what 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 these victims and survivors go through. Uh, it's because it doesn't, it doesn't happen to them. It, it, it's, you know, it hadn't affected their lives. So they don't really truly people, know. Yeah. They put addicts down, you know, they they trash addicts like, oh, they had a choice. Let me tell you something. If you've had anxiety and panic attacks, you have no idea how uncomfortable and debilitating it is. You just want that feeling to go away. You want it to go away. You can't think. You can't talk. You can't eat. You can't sleep. It's terrible. And it's it's not something that just happens once a day. A song could trigger it. A taste could trigger it. A smell could trigger it. You know, anything. And it's constant and to have to live like that that is what causes people to become addicts is because they want it to stop 
And, you know, I I used to be one of those people that would say it's a choice and everything like that. Not fully understanding addiction, Um, having that mindset toward addicts because of bad experiences I've had with them, not only just recently in my life, but throughout my younger years as well. I mean, I've been robbed. Uh, You know, I I got beat up one time as well and robbed by addicts. Um, You know, I, I had a neighbor who was. Not only was he, uh, you know, a meth addict, he was also schizophrenic and he had charges, you know, like pornography involving juveniles charges on him, which is another episode. Yeah, for me that. And so, yeah. it, it, you know, it was like um, my experiences with addicts, except for my grandmother, I think was the only, you know, like most of my experiences growing up were all bad ones. Um, I mean, I, I, I grew up with a grandmother who I loved dearly. And I, I even hate mentioning it at all, but I mean, I, I think it's important for people to know. It's like, I loved her to death and she hit her addiction very well. She, she, she had an opioid addiction, but she was, she never changed who she was. Um, she still had the same great character. And so I, I, I try to think sometimes now, especially since lately I've been doing a lot of these stories and, and talking to people and, and hearing them how some of them have became addicts, you know, what, you know, I, like I try to, I try to look at the heart side of it as well. Uh, you know, the, the soul aspect of the of the person. And I have changed my mindset or my viewpoint that it really, you know, that addiction is, you know, it, it, it's a disease and that it, it can consume you and good on, you know, good on anybody that, that can, that can overcome it. Uh, you know, I, that takes a lot of, a lot of sheer willpower and strength. Uh, Every addict has a story and they can, they can recover, but yeah, you have to get to the story part, you know, and, and address the underlying things. And for my son, he didn't have to steal and rob and do all that. You know, he was, you know, instilled with great work ethic and, um, you know, he was, he didn't have a mean heart, a mean bone in his body, you know, but he had a story and he, I don't think he ever felt comfortable enough talking about it. And, you know, sometimes they don't even know what's wrong with them. They don't realize that I know growing up, I didn't realize I had anxiety. That was what was wrong with me. And I needed to talk about things and, you know, get therapy. And, you know, I I don't think anyone is born and says, oh, I want to be an addict because believe me, their life is hell. You know, I know they make other people's lives hell, but, you know, I don't know. I just feel like my son didn't have a have an opportunity to recover. I feel like. Huh? Sorry, you, you're just cutting out on me on my end. Um, you said that they they they, uh, they they're not they're not born trying to make people's lives hell. And then it cut out on us. Oh, yeah. No, I just think that, you know, my son didn't have the opportunity to be to recover because someone um, put fentanyl in his heroin. My son didn't want to die. Right. My son wanted to get high. You know, it's just like I told you the story about the soda with the um, the antifreeze in it. You know, yeah. that's legal and he could have been charged with attempted murder. You know what I mean? Right. Well, that's what should happen to the person who put fentanyl and sold it to my son because you don't recover from fentanyl. There yeah. is no recovering from that. You die. One little yeah. grain of salt is all it takes. And, you know, they're putting it in 
So I feel like my son was murdered right. because I, he. I, look, I, I don't blame you at all on that aspect. Um, I, you know, learning more about fentanyl overdoses and what's going on with that, and that it, it is an epidemic in this country going on. And uh, I don't have anybody close to me that have, has OD'd from fentanyl yet, but I mean, it, it, it can happen. I mean, it can happen any day now. And I think they should get the death penalty. But yep. in all reality, uh, most death penalty cases are very expensive for whatever county or parish. Like, so I live in Louisiana, so the parish have to pay for that um but i think life sentences should be handed out um for sure um you know it, it's a lot of different aspects but so i want to get back on track a little bit and so how did you hear or or actually no better question how how did you feel when, when you found out that james fairbanks uh shot mateo and ultimately ended his life <laughs> <laughs> I did exactly that. I laughed. <laughs> I yeah. said, oh, and these are my exact words. I said, oh, he messed with the wrong person's kid. Because just before I, you know, he had gotten killed, uh, I had, you know, discovered the Internet. And, yeah. you know, oh, I think the train's gone by. Oh, my goodness. That's fine. Hey, that's fine. Look, Between look, the look, dogs and the train. Hey, it, uh, it, it's okay. I, I really don't think anybody's going to care. I mean, you know, this is raw, live, unscripted, uncut. It, it's fine. <laughs> okay, so where were we? Uh, uh, we're, we're about finding out oh, about, about Mateo getting shot by James Fairbanks. Well, yeah, so just before that it happened, I don't know, about a year before that it happened, or two years, I don't know, I had opened a Facebook page, because once I discovered the internet, and I could um, look up people, and find people, and see what they're up to, I've been wondering all these years, you know, about Matt, what he's up to, and if he's getting away with it, and you know, just really concerned about other children that, uh, through the years, you know, and what's because yeah. I know how he operates. I know how difficult it is to get a conviction against him. So I decided to troll him. I was looking on his different pages and I started seeing some really unsettling stuff and said, oh, he's at it again and he's on the street. So I everything I found on him, I put his name, uh, Matteo Condalusi. And in parentheses, I put predator and um, or it was a group. I don't think it was a page. Yeah, it was a group or something. Yeah. I don't know. So I started posting everything in there and that on that page that I was finding, like things like, uh, you know, there was a clipping from my son from back in the day, even though I never spoke to the newspaper. I don't know how they got that information. But anyways, you know, I put it yeah. on there. He was a minister, which I knew right then and there was a crock. So I started looking into that and I seen that they were getting donations of backpacks with children's toys and um, for Christmas. Candy. Yeah, toys yeah. and candy. He was putting in yeah. those backpacks. Yeah, and they were selling them for $10. Now, these are supposed to be donations. So after I gathered up all this stuff, um. And pictures of him with little kids and stuff. Uh, I called the Omaha and Nebraska police and I made him aware of the page. And I says, you know, he's not 501c3. Is anybody even paying attention to what he's doing with that money? 
You know, um, yeah, I just felt like he they could have found a way to have him off the streets. You know, yeah. After I seen he had molested another child and he actually went to jail for it. Not enough time for a supposed second because we know yeah. there was more, but he should have gotten the book thrown at him. But nope. So I don't know. I tried to make people aware of who he was, even the police. <laughs> and they never said anything, never did anything about the page. The page sat there. And then when my son died, I posted um, I believe it was a video of my son in a casket um, being oh, honored wow. by the honor guard. And I said, I fucking hate you, Matt. Excuse my French, but no, I, that's okay. I fucking hate you. I hate yeah. you for what you did to my son. Cause I knew ultimately that is what destroyed my son. I mean, he had everything going for him, you know, everything. He was smart. He was a hard worker. He was going places in his life and that what he did to him is what held him back. It made him do those drugs to cope with so, that trauma. Yeah, yeah. Um. So the the page got uh up, and then you know after my son died, I went on a rum kick. I was drinking rum from the time I woke up till I passed out, and then I get up and do it all over. Um, I couldn't handle it. Um, yeah. It's just I don't. I hope no one ever has to deal with that. But, you know, they are thousands a day are dying from it. But anyways, um, and then, uh, you know, I decided after I think it was a couple of years after my son died, I was not, you know, I wasn't going to do this, live like that anymore. And that I was going to honor my son. I didn't want him to have to worry about me. I didn't want him stuck in between. You know, if there was an in-between, I wanted him to go on to heaven and so I decided I was going to stop and fix my life. And I was just about there. <laughs> I was doing better. Um, yeah. I wasn't drinking the rum. And that's when I heard about James. And it sent me right. I wasn't. It was still new at the, um, you know, at this whole trying to cope with my son thing. So I wasn't, you know, <laughs> I was not ready for what was to come next. But yeah, um, but. So I started back on the rum because it got to be a little too much um, to handle because now I feel guilty. And, I feel horribly sure? guilty <clears throat> um, for a lot of things. But uh, James should never have to been put in that position to feel like he had to do that, you know, All to right. kill Matt. And uh, someone had sent me a letter saying, um, that I should have done it. And at the time when, because my son had been hurt by um, Matt, and now I should have been the one to kill him. And uh, at the time, I never even, I'm sure I wanted to, but, you know, I had a three-month-old baby, and I had my Anthony. Um, yeah. I wasn't I mean, really, and, you know, and they, I was all they had. I wasn't really yeah. considering, you know, doing it. <laughs> so I just wanted to raise my kids. And, uh, yeah, you had you. I mean, you had so much. I mean, you 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 had so much to lose. Your kids had a lot to lose. I mean, there's yeah. there's horror stories that I'm finding out about C as well. I've even covered a few on on some episodes uh, as well. So I mean, it, it wouldn't have been good for Anthony uh, w without his mother there raising him, and without your without that right. three month old baby, you know, 
you you raised on that, but maybe as well, uh, it have been really bad for, for both of them. Well, so you I, know, I mean, honestly, when I heard, you know, who James was um, and, uh, you know, he, that he had kids and what a great dad he was and, you know, how what a great teacher he was, you know, teaching for the special needs kids and, you know, helping so many kids in situations like Anthony's. Uh, me and I thought, oh, God, if he just had said, you know, if I had known him and had known what he had planned, I would have done it at that point. I would yeah. have done, gladly have done it for him. I didn't want to live anymore. I, I'm not saying I'm suicidal, so please don't think that. No, I was no. after my son, but um, we're not there anymore. But right, I didn't want to live. Right my life meant nothing to me anymore at that point. So I would have gladly have taken James's place. You know, I just... I. I didn't think of it. You know what I mean? I, I still had held out hope that the justice system, that I could make a difference somehow with the justice system. And that, that was a, that was a fairy tale. They were yeah. never going to do anything to him. Never. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was obvious and apparent reading the, reading just the articles and listening to Amanda and how they tried to shut down her victim impact statement uh, the fact that they were so that the the DA and the judge was so in favor of, of Mateo and 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 so far so much against James and what he did, uh, it it was just it, it, it's like you're in Bizarro World is the way I felt. Yeah, I mean uh, this this guy was deemed a dangerous sex offender. He is a dangerous predator because his uh, mo is to be a predator. Find yeah. women like me, single women, single moms with, with children. You know, he's a dangerous predator and he was deemed such. And they still let him go. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, mean, don't, I, mean, I mean, hell, James, when James went to go look for apartments that when he was going through a divorce, he was looking for a place that was going to be safe for his kids to be at and, you know, neighborhood to be safe. And so I actually uh, went on when I found out where. Mateo's house was at through the news articles and everything. I had to go through a couple of different articles, but I found, um, but I found a picture of his house and then I found out the intersection where it was at. And I looked around the neighborhood and I looked on Google maps. Mateo was like, was literally two blocks away from a school and then two blocks away in either direction from his house, from two different churches. This was, uh, this was, uh, you know, a, a residential family style neighborhood. This, you know, this, yeah. this wasn't like on the outskirts of town. This was like damn near almost yeah. dead center in the heart of Omaha that he lived at. And, uh, and e even in, in the news articles and everything, you could go and see on his, uh, uh, you know, his backyard, right. He had no fence, but he had a place yeah, set back there. And, and, I, yeah, and I mean, so, so James goes and pulls up and then he sees Mateo out there I already researched. I'm, I'm pretty sure he already researched him and everything just to go see if, you know, maybe he might be, you know, be one of those retired offenders, right? Like, the, like they, they, they got There's caught. There's no they, such thing. I, I know, I know. But to, to regular thinking people or, or to people that don't know any better, I should say, right. they would think, you know, they would think, okay, you go to jail, you, you know, there's no more, there's no more accusations. You're, you're, you're becoming a minister, you know, I, okay. So, and, and then a church trusts you to work with them. So obviously that, you know, there, there must be something, you know, you must be okay. But we, 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 we know that to be quite the opposite because when James pulls up and in, in one of the articles I read, he, uh, he saw Mateo, he saw that, uh, he was pretending to wash his car with uh with a with a bucket and a rag. 
yeah, yep. with, with a bucket and a rag with no soap and water. And he's just staring at, 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 at some kids playing across the street. So I looked on Google maps to go look across the street and everything. And sure enough, almost, uh, not directly across, but across over to the right of his house, there's like a, there's a freaking place set out there. Um, yep. And I'm like, holy shit, this dude's just sitting, moved right in a, in, in a spot where he can just like, just wa- wait for the right opportune moment to, to, to go ahead and, and, and stalk his prey and get it. You know, I mean, these guys, yep. these, they, not guys, these monsters, these fucking monsters are so sneaky and so good at hiding their public image. You know I mean? I'm are good at hiding their private life and who they really are in the public eye that. Yeah, but see, you know, he didn't, he didn't. They, the authorities could have had him on any number of charges. I mean, yeah. they could have had him put back in jail and they didn't. And that's a, that's a, that's a big question for me is why was he allowed to? It was he because he was a snitch. Did they give him extra freeways? Yeah. You know, uh, for people that aren't that, like I said, are new listening to this episode, Mateo was also a snitch for the DEA on motorcycle gangs um, like Hell's Angels, Mongols, Manditos, whatever gangs they were in that, in those areas they lived in. And that's also, I I believe that's also why he was able to get away with what he did for so long. You know, you snitch to get charges dropped, charges lessened. Um, And so, I mean, I ultimately blame our our own, even our own, uh, our government agencies like the DEA for, and and I'm not, I I don't have no concrete proof of that, but I mean, I, you know, You know, one plus you one equals two. Yeah, you know, one plus one equals two. Yep. I mean, you can you, you know you could take both pieces and figure out the equation. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's sad that you know. I, I mean, and 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 it's so weird that not weird, but it, it's just it's amazing to me how I I one day was just googling uh, about articles about pedophiles being being you know being killed everything like that and i just happened upon uh, i mean because this story wasn't even in the top searches i just just scrolling through and i then when i, when I read uh because amanda was quoted you know like you know james fairbanks you know killed my father and he was the answer to my prayers when i read that i was like holy shit you know and so that's what made me so interested in this case and when i found and when i found out more through the articles through talking with uh the people that are connected to james uh i mean it just it broke my heart that they that they gave him the shaft like they did 40 to 70 years i mean good god you know hell i mean he got less time for 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 traumatizing children i mean for for ones that he actually got caught ruining on. lives he ruined dozens and dozens of lives i i swear there was probably over 100 at least yeah. you know he only we only know about 53 of them there are people out there that are not talking about it or they don't even know because it's in a state that it didn't hit yet yeah but it ruined their lives i mean yeah their lives will never be normal you they're not gonna get married and have you know the white picket fence and everything that everyone who you know dreams of in their life because they're always gonna have that incident that affected them in so many ways that it affected every decision that they ever made, you know, and they just don't go on to, you know, live the best that they could have. Right. I mean, it's. And and you know what? The, The Omaha, Nebraska police department and that, that whole court system and everything out there, the jail system, 
that all needs to be looked into because there's no way that they could have dropped the ball that many times. There's just no way they're that incompetent. Uh, on top I'm of sorry. that, I mean, on top of that, I mean, they, they, they just need to be looked at on how they handle James's case as well. I mean, Brenda Beadle and uh, Judge Russell Bowie and everything, they need to really be looked at because yeah. I'm just a normal guy with no resources. And I was able to find out, you know, how brutal Mateo was. I, I'm able to find out how good of a man James was. They in character. knew, they knew yeah. how brutal he was and they let him go. They yeah. stopped and they were going to put him back in jail, but because of a, um, because the uh, mental health facility in Omaha, Nebraska deemed him a dangerous sex offender, but because oh, yeah. the police didn't do their job right, or they did it on purpose, who knows, but they, um, he was able to be out on the streets. He should have never been. He, there were enough people that came forward and red flags for these um, authorities to have locked him away for good. He should have never I, even been out on the streets. You know, I think uh, because so I, I know a lot of police officers in my life personally, and I talked to them about these. I will tell you that a lot of police officers hate these individuals as much as the general public does, if not more so, because they they know a lot more details and seen more crimes than we have. Ultimately, I think it's up to the you know, it's, it's the court systems that that kind of give us this this viewpoint that they don't give a shit. They don't care in which sometimes it's it's apparent and obvious they don't. And they're the last line of defense before you know before these monsters come back out into our communities right they're the ones that oh absolutely that, that, the, can, set, that can set the terms and limits and everything all the yeah. all the cops can do is just make the arrest when, when they when they know there's a crime yeah. present that's it right so you got but you got other you got like the dea you got uh you got know you the got judges, the, DEA, letting them yeah, you got the, the jail letting them out on on good behavior and yeah, and all those terms, and, and all all those terms are 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 chosen, and and I mean, there, there's paperwork where, where where they check off these boxes, like, okay, are, is he eligible for good time? Is he eligible for reentry? Is he eligible to 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 be on parole? I mean, they 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 have the power to make those options and 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 give those conditions to to these offenders and to just anybody really. Uh, so I mean, I I hold a harsher criticism toward the judges and DAs and and. and yeah. Yeah, then, then I do any, then I do any other, in, then I do regular law enforcement agencies because of that fact alone. Um, but yeah, I mean, still, it's it, it's just a horrible thing that James, who not not and and not only did he work with like this uh, special needs children and everything like that, he also helped uh, children who were uh, sexually abused as well, which just I adds know. to his character even more. So I mean. There, there's a, there's uh, you know somebody else that talked to me about that specifically has no relation to Mateo at all about all this, but more or less what James did for for uh, for her child and everything as well. I mean, and, and it broke my heart that even further that they 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 pretty much just shoved the long arm of the law up James's ass and, and, and shafted him. I mean, yeah, and and and, and I mean and that's and what so they even, needed to do to to Mateo, and they never yeah. did it. As many opportunities that they've had. In different states and everything, they did the same thing. They kept dropping the ball with Mateo, but yet it, it's crazy. It's, uh, it's to, crazy me, it, to me, it, it is. It's insane. It's it, it's just infuriating. It, it's a lot of these emotions. I, I mean, hell, hell uh, I mean, I, I went on. T- I, so, you know, before I did the podcast, I, I did TikToks and everything as well. 
And this was one of those those rants I had uh, about how they sentenced Mateo, not even knowing all this from all y'all. I just 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 as as from reading a news article about it, I was I was just enraged over it. I will say that, man, what I was about to say, yeah, but James, I mean, it just it, it to add to James's character, right? The, the character of the man that he was when they were trying to send James money and everything through his commissary. Uh, James had the belief in our justice system that he was going to get, you know, uh, annulled by the jury and everything like that. Like he was going to be able to, you know, be able to, to get, you know, uh, a, a no verdict or, 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 or whatever right. you want to call that and everything. Cause he, cause he knew that there was good people in this world just like him. And like, what he hey, did was guilty, but we're not, we're not going to charge you because of the circumstances, right? The context of the situation. I mean, it's yeah. just like, uh, I mean, yeah, it's very similar to, you know, stories that happened here that I, 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 I'm talk I'm going to be talking about later on, but anyway, uh, before I ramble off and everything like that, but- I, you know, I mean, the, the whole reason we, we, we're doing this interview and we sat here, we want to be able to tell people, you know, what Mateo was, which is a monster, a predator, what he did to some of his victims, which your son and ultimately how your son had to pick up, you know, could, couldn't really how he tried to pick up the pieces, but ultimately fell to addiction because of, of what happened to him. It, it caused him to make decisions in life based on the fact that who can I trust, which he couldn't trust a lot of people because of what happened to him. And this is, that's, that's what these monsters do to do to these kids. They, they, they take away their, you know, these children's humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Their innocence, their humanity, uh, their ability to, I mean, not really to love, but their, their ability to be more open and loving the people and trusting, uh, you know, you, you can't love someone if you can't trust them. So how are my son could never love anybody because he could never trust anybody. Yeah. Again. I, you I know, know it, and it just breaks my heart, Miss Laura. It really does. Well, but you I know wanted... what? We need to get James on as time served. He needs to be out because he saved kids' lives. You know, not one more kid has to like kid has to lose their life because of Mateo. Yeah. He needs to be out on time served. Period. Suspended sentence, a pardon, anything. The only thing we can do He's now is... He's not the type of person that's going to go out there and kill another offender like they were trying to say. Yeah. This was a different, unique case. It just was. The man had been getting away with it, getting away with it, getting away with it. He was a dangerous predator. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like he was sitting over in his house watching child porn and nobody know, knew what he was doing. He was affecting people's lives. And that, you know, while, while I don't really condone vigilante justice or anything like that, no. I understand. Uh, did I lose you? No, no, no. I think that, you know, like like I said, I don't condone vigilante justice, but I think James did what he thought was best for, you know, any, any potential future victims that Mateo was going to offend against because he was – Mateo didn't look like he was slowing down at all. I mean, there was just clear, obvious signs that, you know, when, when, when Amanda went and cleaned out his house and everything like that, she had to go in that house and clean it out. She found so many disturbing things in there. It just, it just baffles Everything me. he was doing, the collar, when he got up in the morning and put that white collar on, it was yeah. all for a purpose. 
he had not changed his ways. If he had, he'd have been a secluse because you you don't go out into these situations where there's a bunch of kids give out Christmas toys and do um domestic violent stuff with kids, you know, single moms and kids. If you change your way, you stay away from that stuff. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, he was putting himself into situations that was going to get him closer to what he was really he was praying after. So he hadn't changed his ways. And as far as I'm concerned, James saved multiple lives. You know, he can't he can't hurt nobody anymore. I don't I actually even felt guilty for feeling I had to reexamine myself for feeling happy that someone killed Matt because like that's not a normal thing. I would never no. for me, I would never want anyone killed. But well, this that, that, this was a, a person that I'm sorry, I he needed to be. If they weren't gonna keep him locked up, then he needed to be. So my mindset on all that, because I, because look, because it, 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 I'm glad that you that you that you examine yourself and it was like, well, what man, should I, should I really be happy or not? And ultimately, though, these are not people in my eyes, right? Like like Mateo, he's not a person in my eyes. He is a monster, and that's how I view these these type of offenders. They are monsters. They are predators. They are they they yeah they and and the studies have shown that they do not stop offending they constantly learn to reoffend and i don't care how many you know how many successful cases you think you have and everything like that i've listened to people uh like interviews on, on god it, it makes me sick just even thinking about it talking about it like there are people that are trying to you know even even take down the the sex offender registry they they, they, they don't they, they don't even call it yeah they don't even call it the sex they offender registry they came after me yeah they yeah. came after me with the whole james thing yeah they were trying to get me locked up and yeah there's uh, people you know, out there that want to make it legal they want yeah. it they they don't want a sex offender registry and they want to make it legal yeah and, yeah. and that's not, and i'm gonna tell you uh, as long as i'm living on this earth that's not gonna fucking happen where i'm at um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be at every city council meeting. I'll be at every, uh, parish council meeting. I'll be at, I'll try to go. I don't give a shit. Like that's not going to fucking happen. You know? And I think a lot of parents that are around this country around where I live, well, at, I, they're not going to allow I'm that. not so sure that that's, I think I've told you this, look at Glenn yep. Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein. They arrested, you know, they arrested, uh, Glenn Maxwell for, trafficking sex trafficking minors but yet they haven't arrested one person who they trafficked them to not one client has been arrested uh, you know why because there's there's pedophiles that work in our justice system that work in our white house i mean they they're all over in yeah. powerful places you know and i i believe that a lot of things that are going on now in the world are just heading us towards um, well, pedophilia being legal. I'll tell you unless this, we uh, get unless we make some huge changes here real soon. Yeah, I don't have confidence in the system that they they won't make it legal. Well, like I'll tell you, Miss Laura, uh, doing research on the on on this sub on this subject matter and uh, connecting with people all over you know, the world and, and, and this country and, and just locally, uh, a lot of people, it doesn't matter if they're black, white, Republican, Democrat, rich or poor, you know, heathen, pagan, Christian, Satanist, atheist, it does not matter. 
Um, we all have a, we all do believe in the same uh, belief that uh, pedophilia is evil. It's wrong. Uh, you don't mess with kids. I mean, hell, even 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 convicts in jail in prison. They, I mean, these are guys that are murderers. Uh, you know, drug dealers, gang gangsters, and everything like that. They even have a code, which is don't fuck with kids. Like, don't touch children. Yeah, they got you more. They got more honor than our judicial system because you know what? Yeah. The Matt Matt may be a dangerous sex offender. May have been a dangerous predator, sex offender, but. This happens every day, all the time, and it needs to stop. That was James's point. Like, enough is enough. Somebody needs to stand up. And, you know, he gave his life um, to prove a point. Like, enough. You know? Yeah, I mean, Something yeah, he, needs to change. He literally showed how little the system cared for these kids and how much mm -hmm. they're willing to protect these monsters from being uh, uh, hurt and killed and everything like that. I mean, it, it, it was, I mean, he literally showed what the system is capable of. And yeah, I, I mean, it just, it, it, you know, like it, it baffles a normal thinking person. It, it just baffles a, a regular average Joe guy like myself. I mean, it, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm stammering because I just don't, I don't have the words for how, how fucked up this is. I and I, I will tell you this though, when, when they start trying to hurt our, when it gets to so here was my point, and I was actually going to make. I, I I got back on that thought. Sorry if I keep cutting you off. <laughs> no, no, no. That's fine. That's fine. It's okay. I'm fired but, up. Yeah, me too. I think James and what he did was society's answer to the failing that our that our justice system has has given to a lot of victims. I'm not saying that they always fail our victims, and there are good judges out there. I don't want people to think there isn't, but I think that James and his response was what society really feels uh, to a, to a degree and extent. If, if the justice system is going to fail these kids, if they're going to keep letting these, these repeat offenders out on the streets and they are not even, even try to try to keep a, you know, a track of them and, and keep them locked up or anything like that. This is what normal people are going to be pushed to do. And I don't want that to happen because I don't want, you know, people like James Fairbanks, None of us None of us wanted this. We want, no. you know what I wanted? What would have really made my day is to hear that Matt is locked up for life. Or he was hung publicly because honestly, I don't yeah. think we're going to be able to change it until we start publicly hanging them for, right. you know, multiple offenses. You know, and, and, I, there's part of me that does agree with that and everything. And I, cause I mean, hell our, our history in our country, we used to hang people for less. I mean, we yep. used to, I mean, we used to, we, we I mean, shit. I mean, I, there's stories that a, a guy was telling me that a, a friend of mine that I know the other day was telling me he grew up in, uh, around the same parts I grew up around in, in Louisiana and independence and everything. There's a story from back in the day where these six guys from Sicily, uh, robbed a robbed a store owner or robbed and shot it and killed a store owner and everything like that and they went through the swamps of of, uh, of an area called Marpost, louisiana to go find these six sicilian guys and they hung them because they because they you know i mean they didn't mess with any kids or anything like that and it, and it was one of those situations where you know the the, the store owner comes downstairs because he lived upstairs the store owner goes downstairs say hey what are you doing and they ended up uh shooting about you know just in the heat of the moment it wasn't like they were going in there with the intent to kill somebody they were they were trying to rob the guy and i mean they they hung him for that you know all six of them 
I mean, it, it was just you you had that in our history, and and then once we started, you know, once we stopped calling these the, these these monsters, you know, baby rapers and 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 child molesters and everything like that, and we started calling them pedophiles, we took away the power of the words that yep. we labeled them with. And, and now and, and they're now, trying now, to change pedophile to minor attracted person. No, yeah. because that's how they ease into legalizing it. This is yeah. one of the areas that I was just trying to tell you is they are trying to legalize it by little yeah. things that they're doing. And by changing the name now uh, from pedophile to minor attracted person is just lessening it. Like you said, because Eventually, there are, there are groups of people out there, I know because they came after me, um, that want this to be legal. Yeah. And, uh, and, and most in all of those people are pedophiles. <laughs> if yeah. you're not a pedophile, you don't want it to be legal. But unfortunately, there are a lot more pedophiles out there in, you know, undercover that um, people realize. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I'm going to be doing realize. an episode. And I'm gonna be doing an episode on some of the testimonies that I heard on on YouTube uh, from these from these pe- these monsters and what they said and everything. And and the main thing the main thing I, the main draw I took from all of it, which is what gave me knots in my stomach, just listening to them, is that I was sitting there waiting the whole time, like, okay, when are they going to take responsibility for what they did? Like, like when are they going to say, you know, what I did was wrong and horrible and evil? They don't say none of that. What well, they try like, to do when you do do that. I'd like to um, be on with them. I'd like to talk to them about the, what it oh, does no. to a person's oh. life. Oh no, like not, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not interviewing anybody like that. I, I, I was just ah. doing, I was just doing research because I heard about an organization that was trying to take down the register, the, the sex offender registry, and they just kept calling it the registry. So, so even, so even how they, how they speak, it, it, they're, they're trying to less. Yep. Well, I think you should. I think we need to get a pedophile on and put me on with them. Yeah, yeah, but no, it, it was just—it was just something I—I—I I, I found. I was trying to research the other day, and it just gave me knots in my stomach, Miss Laura. I, but anyway, that's that. You know, we're we're here about James and, and Mateo and everything, so I'm 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 sorry. I do get off track. Uh, so anyway, the only thing I—the only way I could see James becoming a free man now is to get other people involved to get other other groups of people like ourselves who 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 think what Mateo you know that Mateo's a monster and what he did was evil and to try to put pressure toward the governor whether it's going to be uh Pete Ricketts or whoever's going to be governor to pardon James because that's the only way I could see him walking out as a free man in this world um, yeah and his sons need him you know yeah um it's time served period. Let us, let his sons have their dad back. And, you know, he admitted to it. It's not like, you know, he gave him a run around. He admitted to it. He owned up to it. Um, you know, let him move on, take care of his children so that they're not fatherless and have traumatic futures. And, um, we got more victims there. Let him be an advocate for, um, you know, the, the molested and the rates and the um let him let him advocate against these pedophiles let him come out and do what he needs to do because he's that kind of person that he would yeah. throw his whole rest of sorry. his life into making things right sorry about the sirens uh i live right by a fire station so sorry about That's all okay. that you can hear it uh yeah i mean it, it's just i i i, I totally 100 percent agree with you miss laura 
Sorry. That's okay. No, they, they <laughs> let Matt out. They gave Matt chances to do, you know, be yeah. a product of society. Even look how that went. I think they owe James the same yeah. um, opportunity. And I guarantee you when he gets out, he's going to be a fighter for justice for these kids. And, and um, I don't believe he'd hurt anyone again. I, no. I believe he would do it the right way, which is the you know, going advocating. Yeah, you know, I, I do believe that, too. And I, I, I have no, I've never even spoken to James. I never even met James. I, you know, I, I, I don't know anything about James other than what good people have told me about him and his character and everything like that. Just like I've never met Mateo and what he and who the type of person he was. But I can tell that uh, James was a good man through his actions. Right. And I don't mean and I don't mean by. uh the fact by that that he, that he killed Mateo. Right. The fact it was his other actions that made him an honorable right. man. The fact that uh, whenever they were sending him money on his commissary and everything, he was telling everybody, "Don't do that. Just send it to to help with, I guess, with lawyer fees or or whatnot." Uh, I I don't. He was like, "I don't need it because I I believe in the justice system. I believe I'll be vindicated. I believe they'll understand the context of it." And. I mean, I don't even think he's trying to fight. I don't even think he's trying to uh, appeal the, the decisions either. I think he's just sitting in prison and, and just the other day I saw a picture on the, uh, on one of the groups I did too. Uh, about when, he, yeah. when, when his son came to visit him and everything like that. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, I saw that last night. It had yeah, me in tears. It, it, me too. I, it broke my heart to see that. His son's and, uh, at an age where he really needs his dad, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't doubt in my mind that, you know, in prison because of who just, just James's character, he's probably well-respected among those convicts up in there because of the fact he's probably more or less just a very respectful guy and an understanding person and just wants to help people. And I, I, I would, I would love to hope and, and I pray and hope that they're, they're treating him, you know, with respect and dignity in there, not just the convicts, but the guards as well. Um, and if not, you know, it, I haven't. I honestly, we wrote a few times, and I um literally had to put everything to do with Matt aside in order to get sober and um, you know, do something good with my life. You know, um, I'm. I had to focus on other areas and focus on me and getting well because it was a lot. You know, just with my son passing away and then with James, the guilt I felt, you know, I feel guilty because I made bad decisions with my son, you know, moving into Matt's house. I have to live with that guilt. Um, I, I feel guilty that James is not with his children like I maybe I should. I don't know. I had a lot of things that I was struggling with and um, I. I don't know. You, I just. You well, let me tell you flat out from just for me, you don't deserve to, I mean, you shouldn't feel guilty at all. You don't deserve to, 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 to feel that as far as I'll say you should, you know, you don't deserve, you, you, you shouldn't feel guilty well, at all. You didn't know. I am. It's something now, I have I, to I live with, you know, but I want you to, know, I love you and I support you and I care about you. And the, the fact is that, um, you didn't know, I mean, hell, not, none of us really know. Uh, and, and, you know, like, but we try to look for the signs as best we can now that we do know. And, and, and we try to, we try to be better at what we can do. And that's why I do this, Jeremy, is because I want to be a voice and, and tell people, you know, like, don't rush into relationships, you know, um, get to know someone first. I feel like 
everything that I've been through, maybe I could prevent it from happening to someone else if I speak out about it. It's not, you know, I get attacked every time I open my mouth. So I I don't really enjoy opening my mouth. <laughs> but right. at the same time, I'm going to because I feel like I could help someone, you know. If I just help one do. person make a better decision than I made, then it was everything's worth it. And I think I want to, I definitely want to end on that note because I want to tell you that from the bottom of my heart that I love you and that I, my heart breaks for you that Anthony is no longer here with us. And oh, uh, sorry, I'm about to, I'm trying not to cry, Miss Laura. I'm trying not to cry either. Um, Don't you try cry. To back. It's okay. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying not to as well because it, 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 it I get connected to y'all and, and, and to the, and to the people I'm talking to in the back, you know, you know, on the backside of this podcast and uh, I just, well, you know, we love you and we really appreciate everything you were trying to do here. I mean, you have my 100% support, you know, Uh, I'll come on and talk as many times as I need to, because I appreciate what you're doing and I love you, Jeremy. Thank you. It means a lot to me. And you're trying to make a difference. And to me, that counts. Yeah. I mean, I just, when I, when, when somebody reached out to me a while back and and told me that, you know, that, you know, in the survivor groups that they're in, that a lot of the consensus is that, that these victims feel is that a lot of people that like quote unquote, normal people don't care about them. That broke my heart. I've, read, I've said it multiple times in my episodes and everything. It, it breaks my heart because it, it, it cut it cut me to the bone. Because they don't it's, understand. It's just, they don't yeah, understand. And, 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 it's I, not I, that I, they I, don't I, care. I, they don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know. You know, I, I didn't know how 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 much it affected the, the people that go through this. And I was ignorant to a lot of this for a lot of years. I mean, I, I've always had the hate for pedophiles and everything, but I didn't know how deep of an impact it made in people's lives until you really hear these stories. And that's why I want to tell these stories. That's why I want to do these interviews so people can understand that it's not just, you know, this one time thing and that's it, or, or, or it's this one time thing and you get a little bit of therapy and you move on. It doesn't work like that. No. It's, it, it's it, this is for a lifetime and that's why so many people are passionate about making sure that pedophiles you know get locked up and stay in prison and jail and everything like that because there is no reforming uh them from a, from a from a, a standpoint that the studies have shown there is no um and and there's no there, there's no coming back from it from, from a victim standpoint right like like once it's happened to them it's happened to them, and then they got to deal with those yeah, after effects I mean, the rest of their days until they die, and and that's what's the most saddest part about it. It depends on the support system. Remember, yeah. we we spoke about it. If it depends on the support system, you oh, know, if you've got a great support system, you can. But not everybody. And it's very very few and far between. You find, you know, like Amanda has a great husband, a great support system. Um, yes, she does. Not everybody's that lucky that that finds um, some of that understand or even don't understand, but is going to support them and help them through it. You know what I mean? It's very hard to find. So most of the time they suffer in silence, you know? 
And that's why I want to reach out and talk to people and help them. And, and, and like, like, and like I told you the other day, you know, I, I didn't hear from you for a while and everything like that. And I know you said, well, you know, I know you're busy and everything like that. And I told what I tell you, I said, I don't give a damn. You just call me. Okay. If, 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 if even if I'm busy at that moment, I'm going to make time and I, you know, I'm going to mm-hmm. check on y'all. I want to make sure that, you know, people are okay. And that, that, you know, th- this is not just for me to get clout. This is not me just to, just to grow a platform or anything like that. This, this is, I take this personally because it, 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 nobody else is nobody. Like I don't see a lot of people who, who are telling these stories and giving victims a voice. I, I'm, I'm finding people not. as I'm, as I come along, but I mean, it, it's just how shocking I, I'll give you a prime example of, uh, so there's a podcaster that I listened to the guy who actually inspired all this the, 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 or inspired the direction I was going in with my podcast. His name's Woody Overton. He was a uh, former uh, detective for Livingston Parish, which is the parish I live in. And uh, in an episode he did the other day, he uh, he was at a convention for other podcasts and everything like that. He was, you know, he, he's he's in the true crime genre. And so uh, he was talking to some ladies that, you know, that covered like murder cases and stuff like that. And then they were talking about stuff, the stories they're going, they're doing and covering and everything. And when he talked about a uh, about a about a about a molester. Oh, we can't do that, you know. You know, and or, you know, we, we we don't cover those cases where kids are, you know, are are murdered or molested and everything. And he's like, "The fuck you mean? You know, kids get killed too. You know, kids get molested as well. I mean, people need to know about this about this shit." And he just he also comes to realization that it's not not enough people talking about it because it is an intense subject matter. It 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 twists my stomach to hear some of these stories. It really does. And there's some that just horrify me. And, but at the same time, it, it it's not something I want to listen to, but at, at the same time, it needs to be heard. It needs to make somebody feel uncomfortable enough to want to get out and do something. And while I might be doing this, there could be other people that can go and, and, and protest and, and, or push for legislation. And there could be other people that can go and, and, and volunteer at shelters and, and or, or, or organizations that help victims. You know, th- there's other things that other people can do. You don't have to get on a podcast, you don't, you know, and, and, and talk to people and everything. If you want to go and, if you know, a support group, or if you know somebody, just go help. And if we all come together like that, if we all do these different you know, do these different tasks and, and fight these different battles and everything like that. We can really, you know, do something great, you know, not only in this country, but around the world. I truly believe that in my heart. And that, and that, and I'm, and I just might be the, the, the delusions of grandeur idealist in me, but I, I'm, this is like, this is it. Like, this is the last step before, before people turn into James Fairbanks or Gary Ploche or all these other people that have, uh, you know, have, have, just saw how messed, how, how, how fucking sick these monsters are and how little people care. I, I, I want to try to create that positive change you know, just in my little corner of the world and inspire others to do so in their corners of the world. That's all I want to do. And, and I want to help people. And I want to, I want to show survivors and victims that people do care. Good, good men and women do care about them and that you, you all, all they want is your love. They don't give it that. <laughs> So many people I've talked to now, and so I, I just I love them all to death, Miss Laura. And I, well, you I, know, I'd love to see um us get James out, and you and him hook up and make a difference because I really believe that James is chosen, was chosen, is chosen, 
Um, and he'll make a difference. And I believe God put this on you as well to make a difference. Yeah. And I think the two of you could really be a force to be reckoned with. So let's figure out how we're going to, if do we got to write letters? Who do we write them to? Um, let's figure out how we're going to get James out. I think he's going to be a huge voice in all of this um, yeah. and make changes in the laws and, you know, help us. I, I really do. I think he, he'll dedicate the rest of his life to um changing these laws i think the uh the best thing that people can do right now is and i'm gonna I'm put you know i'm gonna put it uh put a not a warning but put it put an advisement to this people should call the governor's office in in in, in nebraska uh governor pete ricketts and they need to put pressure on him but not I don't condone any type of death threats. I don't condone any type yeah. of cursing somebody. You're like, don't go, don't go calling up there and being an asshole and no, calling and cursing them out and everything like that. No, you call, you say, hey, you need to take a look at the James Fairbanks case that that you know James Fairbanks Matteo uh, Condalusi uh, case. You need to free James Fairbanks. You need to re you know re look at this because that man does not deserve to be in in, in prison. Free him. Yeah, pardon him. Respect, pardon, and, 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 respectfully ask. The, yeah. you know that this be re-examined um goes a lot it's, further than the death threats because all you're going to do is put yourself behind bars <laughs> exactly exactly and 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 then hurt james's chance of ever being free as hurt, well. yeah yeah so and, and look, I, if anybody that's listening to this and calls the governor of, of, of nebraska's office and everything like that do not make any death threats i will disown you you will you are you are not a part of, of that of this movement to help free james at all you will not. You know, I will. I will. Uh, you know, flat out. I, I will. And I will tell if the, the if the governor's office ever calls me, you know, and everything like that. I'm gonna say, hey, look, go listen to my podcast. I told people publicly, and I'll, I'll tell people privately too. Do not make death threats. Whatever you do, do not fucking do that. You. you know, but I'm gonna tell y'all. Don't just make one damn phone call and that's it. Be persistent. And don't go out call and them. kill. Don't go out and kill your nearest pedophile because. Um, yeah. We don't go for that either. I know no. I don't. You know, I do and, not yeah, believe we, in vigilante justice. Um, this is the first encounter I've ever had with it. And um, personally, and I have my own feelings on it, but I do not agree with um, vigilante justice. The point here is we change these laws to yeah. protect the victims instead of protecting the pedophiles. Because that's what it's about, y'all. It, it is about the victims. It's about these babies that that getting hurt, and I call them babies, even though they're they might be, you know, anywhere from from age 29. zero to age. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. You know, like it just depends on whatever age they are. I mean, they're they're, they're babies. They're, they're somebody's baby. Well, that's right? the thing and, is, they never really grow up. They stay stuck in that traumatic experience. Yeah, and, you know and that they, that's they a, don't grow up. And that's what breaks a lot of people's hearts is that it's the victims' stories that cause this, you know, uh, heartbreak and, and rage toward these, uh, you know, toward pedophiles and everything. But yeah, I agree with you, Miss Laura. Don't go out and kill your nearest pedophile. Please do not do that. Do whatever you can to make, make a positive change. Let people be aware. If, if you know, call, document, call somebody, call, call law enforcement, say, Hey, look, there's a fucking pedophile in my neighborhood. And this is what this, and this shit's scaring me. Like what, like, like, like they're Definitely doing this, this document there. everything who you yeah. spoke to, what time you spoke to them. Um, I've learned in my life that documenting every single word I have said, every the time, the date, um, goes a long way, too. Yeah, I mean, hell, make, I mean, 
you know, I mean, in this day and age, everybody, you know, and, and in this day and age, everybody's got almost everybody's got a smartphone or, you know, or, or the ability to record. So record it, record, document it. You know, yeah, yeah, just have that proof because, you know, people can say, oh, well, they didn't talk to me. Well, no, motherfucker. Look what I got. And uh, yeah. sorry, sorry for that language, Miss Laura. But, because uh, these, no, yeah. that's fine. These people need to be held accountable. Whoever's yeah. dropping the ball, passing the buck, whatever, they all need to be held accountable enough with, okay, um, another life is ruined because this ball got dropped or, you know, the, people need to start being held accountable for their actions and why, um, you know, these sex offenders keep repeating their actions. Yeah. You know, it's because the ball keeps getting dropped and, you know, by either the DA, the judge, the jail, it all needs to be documented to know who did what and who said what. Exactly. I couldn't say it so better. We can hold them. Yeah. Time to start holding them accountable. Miss Laura, it was great talking to you. It was great interviewing you. you. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're always a delight to talk to on the phone as well. And so I love you to death and I hope that we can give James some, uh, you know, give, give James some freedom and, you know, and, and really close the, close the loop on giving all of Mateo's victims justice, because I believe that it's not real justice yet being no. served until James is freed. Nope. Yeah, so, exactly. That's exactly uh, how I feel. Justice has not been served. Not no, yet. Not completely. Um, nope. I think, I think Mateo, you know, burning in hell right now is, is the, uh, is, is the, was the first step, but I think the final step is when, James is a freed man being able to to go back into his life and be there for his family and to help protect kids and to teach kids again. That's when I think yeah. real justice will be served. But anyway. Me too. All right, Jeremy. I love you. I love you too. You be safe. Good okay, talking Ms. to you. Good talking to you, you as too. well. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Well, hey, everybody. So that concludes my interview with Miss Laura for living with my monster part two uh wow it just so many feelings i got and it just goes to show the type of monster that mateo was and it that and it also but it, now that you know a little bit more about his character i'm pretty sure there's a lot more questions as to why you know brenda beetle and uh and russell bowie the, the judge and the da on that case for uh, James Fairbank was so harsh. Like we, like I'm just a normal guy. Like I was telling Miss Laura, I, I don't have these resources at my hands to go and do all these investigations and, and 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 the time and the ability to go find out a lot of stuff that they should have known and probably did know. And it just seems like it seems like it that they don't care and that they were just trying to set an example and make an example out of James. The only thing I could think of, excuse me, sorry. The only thing I could think of was that, I don't know, uh, maybe they didn't want copycats, you know, uh, other people being inspired to be a vigilante in home, Omaha. I don't know. I, I got a lot of questions for the DA and for the judge on that case because uh, what the fuck, man? What y'all did to that man is fucking horrible, in my opinion, as far as what you did to James Fairbanks. And. The more I learn about James Fairbanks, the matter and matter I get at y'all. So uh, I don't know what y'all were smoking in court on those on those days when when the trial was going on, 
Um, but y'all need to get off of it or step down from public office. In my opinion, that's just my, that's just my opinion. I, you know, I don't know if it's incompetence or corruption, but it's one of them damn too. So y'all can decide for your own self. If you think you're able to be a, you know, and, and either one deserves to deserves for y'all to step down. I just want to tell y'all, tell y'all two individuals that personally on this public platform. And I'm pretty sure a lot of other people agree with me. Uh, what you did to James Fairbanks was wrong. And given the context of the situation and given just two testimonies that I have now, just two that I have, I uh, firmly, deeply agree that James Fairbanks need to be a freed man. Um, you know, y'all cut down Amanda's impact statement. You gave James the shaft on sentencing. Mateo was running a, 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 a domestic abuse shelter where he had access to children. He had an open backyard with uh, with a playground set. Uh, he was giving out candy and toys to kids. You know, worked with a church that I guess didn't do their job and background checked him enough or believed whatever bullshit story this punk ass bitch told him because that's what he is. He's a punk ass. And, you know, I'm hoping that, that he's just rotting in hell right now. You know, as far as Mateo goes, uh, 53 victims and that man gave them, them 53 victims justice, but they still feel like they, they still feel empty and hollow inside because of the fact that it's just a hollow version of justice until James is freed. So, uh, we're going to continue to fight to see James freed. And there's other individuals as well. I'm going to cover on my podcast y'all about that, that, that deserve freedom given the context of the situations. You know, when it comes to, you know, murder, drug dealing, gang banging, uh, theft, there, there are, there's compassion and context and empathy within me to, to look at the situation, right? When it comes to child molestation and rape, um, fuck no. Bury them, you know, bury them under the, under the jail, throw away, you know, lock them in a cell, throw away the key. And that's a lot. And I'm not even a parent. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not a father. I don't have children. And I feel that way. So I know that there's good men and women out there on this earth that feel the same way I do that have children and want to protect them. I really don't have a lot of announcements, y'all. I'm in, in recording mode today. So y'all be safe. Take care. I love you. Just protect all, you know, protect your kids. Protect all children, even if they're not your own. I love you. Bye.